so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. This is episode five. We are. We're on episode five already. We're pretty excited about that. Okay. I am very excited about that. How do you feel about that? Pretty good. I'm assuming, you know, you're super excited because, you know, your midlife crisis is coming to fruition. Well, you should be excited because, you know, it's a verbal journey. And don't you want to take a journey with me? Why does it have to be my midlife crisis? Oh, because I'm not in midlife. You don't know that for sure. You're right, I don't. Okay. Could be our midlife crisis together. Oh. Okay. And here's a word from our sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) The only intelligence you're going to hear on this podcast. So how's your week been? Stressful, busy. Yeah? Yeah. Good to stay busy. Sure. Working. And oh. then you have to have time for yourself. You have to nurture your soul. That's what you should be doing while I tell my stories. You should be over there nurturing your soul and sipping your drink. That is nurturing my soul. That See? is the only nurturement I See, get. See, it's working already. Yeah, but that it hasn't been this earlier this week. That has been now. Better late than never. We're taking care of Andrew's soul today. Thank God for that. Yeah. So, welcome to the show. This is Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know with myself, Andrew, and my mom, Mary. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Episode 5. We are very excited. Thank you so much for joining us. Like, four listeners who, you know... Listen regularly. We pay them really good money to do that. But honestly, we actually have some listeners from all over the United States, and that has me super geeked. Like Texas and California and New Jersey, Illinois. And that just, to me, is, I don't know. It, it's like we're out there. You didn't expect us to make it that far. You expected, like, four people to listen to us. If we paid them. You know how we, Andrew and I, made this decision that if we talk, we weren't going to bring up anything personal unless the person it regarded brought it up themselves. My question is, how would the listeners know about that? They wouldn't. That's what I'm telling you. You said you know. Well, you know. No, I don't. I don't listen to us. I don't even think he was there for the conversation. Okay. Anyway, <coughs> we did. We, we made this decision. And anybody that knows me knows that I don't generally talk about my personal life. But as it happens, I actually got permission from the people that I'm going to talk about to talk about them. So here we go. <laughs> I I just I did not give you permission. Well, damn it! I'll leave you out of this part then. Okay. <laughs> For the most part, I'm a pretty private person. Don't usually talk about myself, but. I have discovered lately, especially after doing this, starting this podcast and making some of those decisions, that I have stepped out of my comfort zone. And occasionally it's uncomfortable and and it's a little scary, but I feel like I'm growing as a person because 
I'm stepping out of that zone. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, only way to go is up, right? Generally, yeah. So the only way we like to go is up. That is true. We prefer to take steps forward, no steps back. We all take steps backwards occasionally. Not how it usually works, but we we like to pretend that we just make steps forward. It's not how life works, though, and we we all know that. But, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, that, to me, is character development. Yeah, it was a huge step for me. A huge step for me. So I've been mulling over a decision for a number of weeks, and I finally decided to take both feet and jump right into it. And so I did. So here's my little story. I have a brother. He lives out of the country. I haven't spoken to him in 42 years. We have been communicating through Facebook for maybe about a year and a half now. Maybe maybe a little less, but and I'm not positive. But So I made the decision to call him, and I contacted his wife through Facebook and got her opinion, and she said she thought that that was a very good idea. Question. Yes. Is your brother one of the guys that we pay to listen to us? Not yet, but after he listens to this episode, he might, might go, have hey, to. where's my check? <laughs> <laughs> I expect my royalties. <laughs> he might. I work on commission. I'm waiting for a check, too. <laughs> if anyone out there has an extra checkbook I can borrow, Andrew will get his check. <laughs> it occurred to me a couple weeks ago that I just... I needed to contact my brother, so I made the choice to contact my brother. So I felt like it was the right thing to do. So after a fiasco, getting an international calling card, and then they didn't connect it on my phone, and then after like four different people, who none of them spoke English, I finally got to call him, and I spoke to him for an hour. And it was really cool. First, his lovely wife picked up. And we spoke for about two minutes before she turned the phone over to him. And they live, they definitely live across the ocean um, in England. And she sounds like a little teeny tiny Mrs. Doubtfire. She has a really super soft voice. And all I could think of is like, if you fell and skinned your knee and you went home crying, she would make you a really, and I don't know if she drinks tea. She would make you like the most awesome cup of tea and life would be just fine. Okay, American stereotype here, but I'm fairly certain, yeah, tea time thing in England, right? Right? I don't know. I know. I don't know. I was trying not to make assumptions, but I drink tea, so she should drink tea. Okay, this is a life-altering question here. Did you ask her what the heck a crumpet is? I did not ask what a crumpet is. How? These are the important like facts that we need to know. All right. We'll start writing them down. Make a list and I will ask questions next okay. time I call. Awesome. Yeah. So I spoke to him for an hour. I was very nervous when I initially made the call because what if, what if he hung up on me? What if he said, kiss my tush? What if he laughed at me? I didn't know the reception I was going to get. None of those things happened. We had a really good conversation. And I feel better about it. I feel good. Good. And I felt like I felt like when all was said and done, my dad was smiling. And so it was good. 
We haven't mentioned your dad, FYI, to the listeners who don't know. Her dad has passed away. Yes. Yes. We lost him four and a half years ago. So, next segment. It's National What Day? And so for today, I picked this one because I didn't know how to pronounce it or say it. So if I slaughter it, nobody gets to yell at me because that's my disclaimer. It is National Vichy Soise Day. Vichy Soise. I feel like it's Vichy Soise, but yeah. I could be wrong as well. No, the pronunciation is Vich, or maybe it's Vich. Vichy. Vichy Soise. Vichy. Vichy Soise. Not fishy. No, Vichy Soise. I just like that word. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I don't you know. You don't even know th- what the word is. How yeah. much less how to pronounce it. Therefore, <laughs> <laughs> you can't like a word that we don't know how to pronounce. I just did. <laughs> I feel like you didn't pronounce the word. Vichy Swaz, anyway, for those of you who don't know. Swaze. <laughs> it's made with. Pureed leeks, which are which are a type of vegetable. Pureed leeks. Pureed. Pureed. Yeah, look, look pureed. at me. Look at me right now. Is your face, eyes, yeah. eye contact? Yes. Yeah. We had eye contact now. Okay. So, you're yes. the cook, and you don't know what the hell puree means. I know what it means. Okay. You don't know how to spell puree. I don't know how to spell Gortstraminer either, but I know I like to drink it. What's a who to what? Gortstraminer. Chewaka. Oh, that one's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, fishy swaz is made. It's a thick soup. Swazze. Leeks, onions, potatoes, cream, <laughs> chicken stock. <laughs> it's traditionally served cold, which I can't get over. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, she's going to butcher this whole thing, but it's okay. Absolutely. What do you got for National Day? My National Day is National Princess Day. Woohoo! It's a lot easier to pronounce at Where the very least. Where's your tiara? Well, go find me one and I'll wear it. <laughs> National Princess Day comes around annually on November 18th every year. This day is a day to clear your schedule and prepare for a magical day of pampering and fabulousness to observe National Princess Day. <laughs> like William Shatner there for a second. My bad. Uh, sorry, William Shatner, if you're listening. <laughs> you can invite your friends over for a princess party. You can act like a princess and indulge in treatment fit for royalty. That is all I've got. I like your National Princess Day. I like National Princess Day, too. I kind of makes me wish I... You know, I dressed up for the occasion. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. You know, there's always next year. Okay. What's in your cup today, Andrew? In my cup today is nothing because I already drank it. <laughs> for those of you listening, she's trying really hard not to spit out what she just <laughs> sipped. It wasn't easy. Uh, <laughs> I drank two glasses already. So, uh, yeah. What did you drink? I drank St. Julian's Cotton Candy Wine, although sounds a little odd. It has a wonderful flavor. 
Okay. Anything you want to tell us about this wine? Well, if I was a wine connoisseur, it's a fancy word, kind of like sousay. For someone who drinks a lot of wine? Vichy sousay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, for those wine connoisseurs, I'm not sure what the heck a bouquet is when it comes to a wine, but I'm just going to... Okay, well, it has a wonderful, wonderful... Bouquet? Bouquet. It smells like cotton candy. Who would have guessed it? Um, and the flavor on it, it kind of tastes like cotton candy. Not overpowering cotton candy. It's not crazy, but it is pretty darn delicious. I taste some strawberry and a little raspberry in there with a hint of bubblegum in the background. Okay, but I'm not a connoisseur. I'm not either. I'm just saying. I went on their w- on their website. I looked at their description. That's oh. why I can say that. Oh, oh, so you 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 cheated. I'm not drinking with a straw. Not drinking out of a sippy cup yet. Yet. Being in the operative word. Did don't not think we don't have them. bring out a paper them. bag and slap it around the bottle and go, hey, I don't know what you're having, but here's mine. <laughs> anyway, I did a story on the Michigan Triangle. And afterwards, it was brought to my attention that I had missed something. And my response was, how the hell could I have missed something? I went to a lot of websites. I read a lot of articles. I read some newspaper clippings. I have no clue how I missed what they said I missed. You're welcome. FYI. It took me like 10 seconds after we finished recording. There's a reason it wasn't included in all of my research. I'm just saying it took me 10 seconds to find it after we finished recording the original episode. Let me talk about this then. They called it the mysterious misappearance of Stephen Kubaki. Misappearance. Misappearance. I like that. Alrighty. At the end, we'll decide if it's a misappearance. <laughs> or if the guy's just a jackass. Or if he's a jackass, and I've already made up my mind. Woohoo. He's a Can't jack- wait to hear that. He's a jackass. Wait a minute. You're not supposed to tell them the that until the end. <laughs> oh. Well, have a great day, guys. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> So Stephen Kubacki, um, he's a college student. He goes to Hope College, which is a Michigan-based college. He's 23 years old, and he's extremely, extremely smart. Stephen Kubacki, if we have offended you, I really don't care. I don't but, care. Um, I apologize, blah, blah, blah. Disclaimer, you know. yada, yada, yeah, yada. If you're offended, then you know, go cry into your pillow. Put your big girl panties on and move on. <laughs> So Stephen Kubacki is, he's described as brilliant. He's super duper smart. He is studying German. He's studying history. In February 1978, he all of a sudden just vanishes off the face of the earth. He had gone off for a solo cross-country skiing trip, which was not unusual. He did it quite frequently. He told his roommate that he'd be gone for only a day or two. But Stephen Kubacki never, ever came back. What they found was a 200-yard trail of footprints in the snow leading past the edge of the lake. The one-way path ended abruptly, and it led investigators to conclude, in the absence of any other clues, that Kubacki had drowned somewhere under a thick layer of unbroken ice. So two days later, on February 21, 1978, snowmobilers in Sagatuck spotted a pair of cross-country skis that had been left abandoned with a backpack. 
And what I read was that they had just been stuck into the snow, so they were basically pointing up to the sky. So they found the skis, they found the backpack, and they contacted authorities because in two days everybody knew that there was a missing person. The authorities immediately launched an area and a land research. The investigators knew right away who they were looking for because there was actually a dental bill in the backpack in the name of Stephen Kabaki. So, of course, you know, they go to the school and they talk to the students there. And students that went to school with him described him as brilliant. He was a little bit more free spirit than the other average students on the, at the school. Uh, Hope College is known as being a conservative school. That is why he lived off campus. He did not live on campus with the other students. He had his own place off campus. He was also known to be an enthusiastic outdoorsman. He had previously climbed mountains. He had studied abroad in Europe. He had cross-country skied many times. He had been to the same place that he was at that day that he disappeared. He had been there before. Did we get the name of the broad he studied in Europe? No. You know, you know I have a hard time with pronunciations, <laughs> especially foreign ones like Vichy Spa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could have been Mrs. Vichy Spa. Could have been Mr. Vichy Spa. I don't know. So, Stephen was an outdoorsman. I mean, he hiked, he skied, he, he did all kinds of stuff. So, he had actually been skiing in that, that area before, the, the area that he had disappeared from. So, the trip that weekend was not unusual, but the rest of the story is. So, we're going to fast forward 14 months to the evening of May 15th. May 5th of 1979. Stephen Kubacki woke up, air quotes, in a grassy knoll in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. He was 700 miles due east from where he had vanished on the shores of Lake Michigan. My notes on the side is like, woke up? What the hell did he wake up from? And who wakes up from a 14-month nap? Okay, much like our Lake Michigan Triangle thing. Like he was abducted by okay, alien so pirates. Alien pirates, or are we back to the Wizard of Oz? Where alien they woke up? Alien pri pirates. Alien pirates. Okay. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> he stated that he had no memory of the previous 14 and a half months. He said he didn't even realize immediately how much time had passed until he bought a newspaper and he saw the date found his way to an aunt's house in Great Barrington, which was about 20 miles from Pittsfield, where he woke up from his little tiny nap. From there, he was reunited with the rest of his family in South Deerfield, which, hey, good ending, story, blah, 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 the end? No, it's not the end. After he reemerged, Kubaki said he found himself wearing clothes he didn't recognize as, he owned, that he, as his own, and he also had a backpack that was filled with maps and hitchhiking signs suggesting he had traveled widely. He had maps from Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Chicago, Utah. He also had $40 in cash, new glasses, sneakers, and a t-shirt from a marathon in Wisconsin. I feel like I've done a lot of running, he said in an interview the week he reappeared. His memory right up until his disappearance remained totally intact. 
he said the last thing he remembered was feeling cold and scared of being lost in the frozen darkness. Kubaki told a reporter that he believed that his blackout was caused by exhaustion and exposure. My question is, from what? Exhaustion and exposure from what? He also said he would see a medical doctor for a physical, but he would not be seeing a psychiatrist. You just lost 14 and a half months of your life, supposedly, and you're not going to find out why? To me, that's a little fishy. Kubaki insisted that he was in a healthy frame of mind when he set off for the skiing trip. And he still was. But apparently even the detectives who investigated his disappearance, they had their doubts whether he drowned or not, obviously. Obviously he did not drown. They actually sent his dental records to Chicago to see if Kubaki might be among the serial killer John Wayne Gacy's unidentified victims. And when I googled that, Gacy worked out of Chicago, Illinois, and none of his victims were identified as being related to Michigan. None of missing or dead in Michigan. Kubaki told reporters in 79 that he was going to try and retrace his steps to piece together where he had been when he was gone. So my questions are, did he? If he did, did he find something he wished he hadn't? Or didn't he because he already knew it wasn't necessary? And how exactly do you retrace your steps when you've had amnesia for 14 and a half months? So here's what you all get to decide. <coughs> On February 19th, the day before the snowboarders found his skis and his backpack, another couple spotted a young man in the same area, and he fit the description of the missing student, but he wasn't by himself. The couple said that a young petite female with long dark hair was taking pictures of him. When the police asked Kabaki's roommate and another friend who this girl might be, if she was in fact his companion, Neither one of them recognized the description and said they had no idea. So obviously when you make a missing persons report, there's a report that gets filled out and filed. So there's an entry in the state police report regarding Mr. Kubaki about a female student whose name is redacted, which just means that it's blacked out so that the general public who gets to read the report doesn't know who it is. It's not clear if she's the friend police interviewed, the girl he may have been with at the lakeshore, or someone else. But this person, this young lady, stopped going to classes around the same time that he vanished. Within two or three weeks, she had actually left campus and went back to live with her aunt in Grand Rapids. She had been extremely distraught when he went missing, and she had actually threatened to take her own life, leaving a suicide note for her roommate. So Stephen had gone missing the middle of February. Several weeks later, the first week of March, Kubaki's mother called the police to say that a friend of their family had been getting phone calls directing them to make phone calls of their own in connection to Stephen's disappearance. Why they didn't call the mother directly, I don't know. The names and or numbers that were given to the family friend by the anonymous callers are also redacted in the state police report. In one case, the person who called the family friend gave them a number and, s and informed them that they could reach Kabaki there, but when they called, the number had already been disconnected. So Stephen's mother went through old phone bills, and she found that she had actually gotten a call from her son from that very same number in September of 1977. 
So obviously this number was associated with someone Stephen knew. She said she didn't know at the time where he had been calling from, but she had spoken to him from that phone number for about 15 minutes. So police confirmed that the number had been disconnected later that same month, and when they tracked down the previous owner of the phone number with the help of Michigan Bell, the name of that person or the business it's associated with is also redacted in the state police report. While Stephen was missing, his family hired a private investigator from the Fat Man Detective Service in Grand Rapids because they wanted to try and track him down. Obviously, you know, he's missing. You want to find him. You haven't found a body, so he could still be out there. His brother told police that he did not believe that Stephen had drowned. He thought that he might have gone to Germany. Stephen would have definitely flown Icelandic air out of Chicago if he had gone to Germany. Stephen's classmates from the Hope College had actually told police that he had two girlfriends in Germany. So police requested the flight manifest from the airline, but found no record of any Stephen Kabaki on their flights, which doesn't mean he, A, wasn't on them, because we're talking the 70s, which things were much more lax then about identification when you got on an airplane. And it also doesn't mean he didn't fly another airline, because remember, we're talking about He's a really super smart guy. He's been described as brilliant. By whom? His classmates, the people he went to school with, had described him as being brilliant and extremely smart. And he'd actually had, when I Maybe read... Maybe he's just average and they're just dumb. <coughs> Always a possibility. Yep, there you go. So, I figure if you're going AWOL, you're not going under your own name. We know that Stephen was smart. And just because he always took Icelandic air. If you're going AWOL, you're not going to do the things you normally do. You're going to break your patterns. You're going to break your habits. No, being the crazy person I am, you know, I know what people expect from me. I would do the exact opposite of what they expect from me. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I know. Okay. In May of 79, after Stephen Kabaki woke up in some kind of greenery in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, claiming to have no memory of the past 14 months. He told reporters, and we talked about this, that he had found several items of clothing and personal effects he didn't recognize, and among those items was a T-shirt from a marathon that had been held in Wisconsin. Which, having that T-shirt doesn't really mean anything. He could have borrowed it, bought it, found it, stolen it, or he could have actually run the Pavo Nermi marathon that was held in August of 78. Pabo Nermi. Pabo Nermi Marathon in Wisconsin in 78. Is that really a thing? The Pabo Nermi Marathon? It, it was. In 1978 it was. I don't know if it still is. No, oh, okay. What if he ran it while he was in the throes of uh, an episode of Amnesia? Ecstasy. I don't think ecstasy was around in the 70s. Roofies. I don't think you run marathons on roofies. Have you ever tried your roofies? No, I've never roofed myself. Neither have I. Okay. But the point is, is you know, we don't know the effects of roofies. No, not personally, I don't. But you know, there are drugs known to cause memory loss. And there are people that lie. Oh yeah. All right. Big then. time. Okay. So anyone that runs knows that once you become a sustained runner, it basically is muscle memory. Your body kind of does the work for you. 
But when you run a marathon, you actually have to register for the marathon if you're going to get a t-shirt out of the marathon. Unless you hijack another runner, steal his t-shirt, and run away. How do you hijack a runner? Can't you just hijack his clothes? That's always a possibility. I'm not really sure because I've never actually personally done that one. I mean, it's a whole Hollywood thing where, you know, you beat somebody up, put them in a closet, steal their clothes, and now, you know, blend in. Could be, yeah. But what the hell is he trying to blend in within a marathon? I don't know. The other runners? I don't know. Was there a bank robbery around this time? There was no bank robbery mentioned. Mentioned? He but only this had is a story $40 on in Kabaki. cash. He only had $40 in cash in his backpack. I understand that. That's okay. not the point. Okay. My point is, is, is this story, because let's admit it, it's probably a freaking story. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. To throw somebody off the I'm trail of something. I think so what the heck is the something that we're throwing the trail uh, off of? Because... I think he's a college student. I think he's bored. I thought he wanted, you know, my impression is he wanted to go see parts of the world. Maybe his parents said no, they wouldn't support that. And he decided, well, you know, to hell with you, I'm going anyway. The more I read about this story about him, the more of a piece of garbage I think he is. So the Pavo Nermi Marathon that was held in Iron County, Wisconsin, was actually the only marathon in Wisconsin at that time. And the current organizer generously tracked down the race results from 1978. So, of course, obviously, it's way too easy to just open up the results and go, hey, there he is. So, of course, there is no Stephen Kabaki listed, even if he had run the marathon. Could he have used a false name? Pretty smart guy. If he's going to run a marathon, that's the way he would do it. If he had amnesia, he wouldn't have known his own name. And all you basically have to do is give them your name and your information, and they don't ask for ID when you run marathons. If he was pretending to be forever lost in Lake Michigan, he wouldn't have used his own name, which to me is just a dumb moment. Duh. Or, you know, if he's trying to come up with some elaborate story on how to disappear for, what, 14 months? 14 months. 14 months. Then... You know, why would I use my real name? Why would I let somebody track me? Why would I leave a paper trail? That's kind of my point is I don't think he had amnesia. I think he did this all on purpose. Maybe he heard of the Michigan Triangle? But. There's always a but in there, isn't there? Always a but. But. There's always a but somewhere. There was another name we can look for. Go back, Stephen. Nate. Nate. We can look for a Nate. I'm sure you're going to find one if you're looking for a Nate. They're everywhere. Is there another name that is associated with this Nate? I did not get a last name. Some so researcher where are we getting the are. name Nate from? I'm not an investigative journalist. I just make a co- up a podcast. I just co-host a podcast. I didn't say anything about investigative journal journaling journal. Shush. <laughs> I said <laughs> researcher. I did not find a last name for Nate because Nate's Nate's actual appearance in this story was very very brief. So let's find out where Nate came from. So into our story enters a young gentleman named Ron Curtis. Ron Curtis is also a college student. 
He's um, <coughs> had May 5th, 1979. He's driving around Pittsfield. And he comes upon a hitchhiker. In 1979, hitchhiking was pretty common. Nobody worried about it. So he picks up this hitchhiker. Where are you going? Hitchhiker's going to Great Barrington. So as they're on their journey to Barrington, to Great Barrington, to drop the hitchhiker off, the hitchhiker introduces himself as Nathan. Nathan informs Ron that he had flown in from San Francisco to Boston, and then he took a bus from Boston to Pittsfield. He never said anything about missing 14 months out of his life. He never mentioned that he had amnesia. He never woke up on a glassy, grassy knoll. Yeah, but his name is Nate, not Stephen. That is true. So Ron Curtis drives Nathan to a house in Great Barrington that is the home of Stephen Kubaki's aunt. On this drive to Great Barrington, Nathan tells Curtis that the woman who owns the house is a friend, and he was going to go visit her, and he was giving her news of a mutual acquaintance who had been lost and missing for quite some time. So the look on Andrew's face right now is purely quizzical. Like, what the hell did I just hear? Yeah, you heard me right. He had Ron Curtis drop him off at his aunt's house, telling Ron that his name was Nathan. Okay, this Ron Curtis guy, could he verify that the person he spoke to afterwards, after Stephen was found, could he verify that it was Stephen and not, well... Nathan, what's his face? Yeah. Um, <coughs> The police did question him, and he said he bore a remarkable resemblance to the pictures that they had of Stephen Kubaki. From his aunt's house, Kubaki now reunites with his family. And when it questioned about it, his mother tells reporters that she had not gotten any explanation from her son regarding his very long absence, and she didn't need one. So what in the hell's up with that? I'm sorry, you're gone. You have amnesia. You just came back. I need to know what the hell is going on. I'm going to say, if I go disappearing for 14 months. I want to know. I spent money on an investigator to find your ass. I want to know what the hell you were doing. You probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> back to the marathon results. There weren't any Nathans, but there was a Nate. There was a Nate listed on the on the results from the marathon with that was held in Wisconsin. And I'm assuming they couldn't contact this Nate for questioning? That part did not come up. I did not read anything about whether they actually contacted him, but it doesn't say they did. So I kind of take that to mean that they did not get hold of him. They could not find him. So in the meantime, while Stephen was missing, because this is one, <coughs> my impression is screwed up family. Stephen goes missing. That's coming a lot. That's saying a lot coming from you. I know. Stephen goes missing. His parents get divorced. Now remember, he's only gone for fourteen months. And we don't need an explanation as to why. By the time he wakes up on his grassy knoll, Stephen's mom is already remarried. Who does that shit? Oh, my kid's missing. I should trade husbands because that'll fix everything. <laughs> Maybe she wanted a newer model. <laughs> so in one of the interviews that they did with him, Stephen 
marveled at the amount of money that his parents spent on a private investigator to look for him because isn't that what parents do? Okay, but you okay, they spend money on a private investigator to look for him. To look for him. But yes. Then they don't care what happened to him when he shows up? You would have to ask his mother because she seems to be a piece of work too. What kind of drugs is this lady on? I don't know. First of all, you're my kid. You go missing. I want to know what the hell happened to you. I want to know where the hell were you because you totally missed curfew. I'm telling you, you totally missed curfew. I was out. um, Carousing. (laughs) In Germany. Observing Princess Day. So when spoken to the public relations officer at Hope College that Stephen had attended at the time of his disappearance, his name was Tom Renner. He believed that Kabaki owed an explanation to everybody at the college, his former classmates, his teachers. Everybody was shaken up. Everybody was scared. Everybody was worried. Everybody grieved him, mourned him. 14 months, you're gone. Yes, people are going to mourn you. You disappeared on the edge of a lake in the middle of winter. People are going to mourn you. Today, Kabaki, he's still alive. He lives in the Pacific Northwest, and he works as a psychologist. My side note says, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I, I Googled him. Checked out his Twitter. His Twitter lists him as a founder of Great Date, which is a choose better, date smarter dating site. It also lists him as an author, adventurer, nexalist, psychologist, applied philosopher, Entrepreneur. Busy guy. Abductee? <laughs> I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Hmm. So. Must have forgotten that part. <coughs> because he lists as an author, I want to see what he wrote. The title of his book is Meta Mathematical Foundations of Existence Godel, Quantum, God, and Beyond, which tells me that. He wants people to think that he's actually way smarter than he really is. A lot of big words that I don't think really mean anything together. No, I don't think they do either. So my whole thought on this, and I appreciate, I do, I do appreciate you bringing it to my attention that I might have missed something on the Michigan Triangle, but I don't think I did. I don't think he belongs there. I think that we have a selfish which isn't unusual at that age, college student who decided to go on an adventure, and when he was bored, he came home. That's what I think we have. To be fair, I never said you had to do the story. I just found the information. Oh, I know that, but you know I take things as a challenge. Everything's a challenge. I know. (laughs) But this guy seems like some wackadoo that... He's a jerk. I mean, look what he put his family through. His parents. His parents. Man, eh, no, don't. I don't look even no, care no, 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 if your no. mom's on drugs. Don't put your parents through that shit. No, it, it has nothing. I don't think he was out of contact with his parents. I think they were in on it. <gasps> I never thought of it that way. How Why else would he have money to go? How would he have uh-huh. money? Why would his mom need not need an explanation <gasps> where his son oh, was? Her son was for fourteen. Months, unless she already knew where he was. That is really They were coming up with something. And even if it's controversial, if it's some kind of publicity stunt, doesn't matter. They're going to make something on it. That's a fantastic point. I had not Their names are now etched in history. (coughs) Yeah, they are. They actually are. So, personally, 
I think it was a publicity stunt. I, I agree with you. I don't think that they should have been involved in it at, at all. Oh, good points. I hadn't even thought of it from that angle. I just thought, you know, this is a jerk-off college student who was bored and decided to go do his own thing, so he went and did it. When he got tired of it, he went home. But I think your angle makes even more sense than that. I think his mom knew. Did Maybe you, his did dad didn't, which would, make say the, which would make the two of them... Just total did jerks to the dad. Did you find anything out about the dad? He passed away. He he has since passed away. Right. Didn't, but didn't see exactly when. And no, I couldn't find any more information on the dad. Okay. So they didn't have like a quote from the father saying that he cared no. where his son was for 14 no. months? No. Definitely a quote from his mother saying that she didn't need an explanation about where Stephen had been. Well, let's be honest. This is the state of Michigan. You know, women matter more. That is my story of Stephen Stephen Kubacki, and hopefully that ends the Michigan Triangle for us. If anybody out there knows anything else that I did actually miss that fits and belongs there, let me know. Um, I enjoyed doing the research; made me a little bit angry as a parent, but as a person, I mean, where are the morals? Okay, so this didn't happen recently, but. I mean, even nowadays, there's the, uh, the moral compass of society is just does not point north. <laughs> That's a really good way to put that. It's kind of like in the Bermuda Triangle where your compass just kind of goes in circles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same concept. Your compass is wackadoodled. It very much is. So join us next week. Uh, I believe that is the, well, I don't know the release date, but. We'll be recording next week, Wednesday, on the 25th. And then the following Sunday, you can always join us and listen to whatever new crazy crap we found. <laughs> I find some crazy crap. I find fun crap. I find some bizarre crap. I find some seriously interesting crap. I find laugh out loud crap. I there's a lot of crap out there in the there wild, wild, wild. There is a lot web. of crap, which, you know, makes us even that more capable of success. <laughs> so I have a thought. And? You know, we were talking about, like, our listener base is expanding. Mm-hmm. And if it ever expands to the point where we go on the road. Are you ready? Yeah. I want to wear matching outfits. So if you wear a dress, <laughs> I have to wear a dress. Oh, don't tell me you're going to even complain. No. <laughs> we both know I'll do it. That's not I the point. You, I know you will. <laughs> anyway. Thank you to everybody who stopped by and lent us their ear. We hope you enjoyed this story today. <laughs> you, uh, If you are looking for us by any chance, you can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. You can find us at gmail dmsidntk at gmail.com and we are also on twitter at tmsidntk if you have any suggestions ideas or comments you can contact us in any of the ways just mentioned so if you did <laughs> and i hope you did enjoy your short stop with us always always feel free to follow the podcast Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That's how we get new followers. That's how we expand other people's horizons so that you're not the only ones out there with expanded horizons. That's how we know you people actually want to listen to us. 
Yeah. You can find us on Anchor, and they are our podcast host. Thank God for them. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. We would. They just wouldn't be able to hear us. No, we probably wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't hit the record button. Oh, damn you. I just let you think that we're recording. Oh, man. All this time. All this time. I'm not even really sure we're recording after all, but. You're welcome. He says we are. You know, my faith in humans. I have to believe him. Maybe I'm one of those people with the moral compass. They're just going in circles. <laughs> I cannot help but spill coffee on things. Jesus. Oh, my God. I just printed off this new sheet for him, and now it has this. Because my last sheet had coffee on lovely it. No, it had wine. Oh, wine. A lovely coffee stain. I bet you if it lick it, it tastes good. Yeah, it's kind of cold. Anyway, you can. <laughs> <laughs> he just licked a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, that in the windows. So you can find us on Spotify. And Breaker. Google Podcasts. And Pocket Casts. And Radio Public. <laughs> This podcast is co-hosted by Andrew Crummel and Mary Swartz. The Window Lickers. Short Bus Riders. All editing <laughs> is done by myself, Andrew, and the cover art is done by my mom, Mary. So, <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. Don't, don't roll your eyes out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I make no promises. Good night. Have a great night.